We're going to continue our series in Luke uh, today, and we're in Luke 6 on page 1044 of the Blue Bibles, which will be in the screens, uh, so in the seats around you, and it will also come up on the screens. Uh, so Luke uh, 6, and we're starting at verse 26. Jesus says, Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. I want to talk today about how to love your haters. How to love your haters. We'll all face people in life who for one reason or another seem to hate us. They're opposed to us, they don't like us, and they try and make life difficult for us. And maybe you've got someone in your life right now who fits into that category. Uh, Maybe it's a colleague, or a boss, or a friend you've fallen out with, a relative maybe, or even an ex. And uh, maybe they've insulted you in some way, they keep uh, criticizing you, they're stirring up trouble, making life quite difficult for you, talking behind your back, lying about you, scheming against you, undermining your position at work, trying to get you fired. Maybe they're turning your friends against you. Your haters are the people who broadcast your failures and whisper your successes. If you stand for something... If you want to make a difference with your life, you are going to attract some enemies. It kind of comes with the turf. And one of the key challenges in life, one of the key tests of your character, is how you respond to your enemies. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Jesus says, love your haters. So how do you do that? Well, the first thing is to expect enemies. Expect enemies. Expect enemies. Jesus commands us to love our enemies, but he never questions that we will have enemies. It's interesting because the Bible says, insofar as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Make every effort to keep the bond of peace. But Jesus says, woe to you if all people speak well of you. So it feels like, don't go looking for enemies. But it seems that there's something worse than having lots of enemies. And that's having no enemies at all. And in my experience, most people are somewhere on a spectrum between people-pleasers and people-provokers. 
And if you're uh, at the at the people pleaser end of the spectrum, you hate the idea of conflict. You hate the idea of arguments. Uh, that's that's like your worst possible day. You scan emails carefully to see if there's any hidden emotional subtext which might indicate that the person is upset with you in some way. You wake up at three o'clock in the morning worried if someone's annoyed with you because you interrupted them in a meeting earlier that day. You can't bear the thought of having an enemy out there somewhere. And if you're maybe at the people provoker end of the spectrum, it's different for you. Actually, you relish conflict, you embrace it with both hands, you think it's an exciting day when you have four arguments before lunch, you could have an argument in an empty room, and actually on one level, on one level, you're never actually sure if you really like someone until you've had a proper row with them. so, but it, in some ways, it doesn't matter which end of the spectrum you're at, whether you feel more like a people pleaser or more like a people provoker. What's important, what's important is not to provoke people unnecessarily, but not to be so scared of making any enemies in your life. It's almost like to make sure you have the right sort of enemies. Because Jesus is the holiest most loving, most kind, most gentle, most compassionate human being who has ever lived. And he had plenty of enemies. But none of his enemies was a consequence of any sin of his. Life's too short to make enemies over things that don't matter. And life's too important to live in fear of ever making an enemy. It's probably impossible to live your whole life without ever making an enemy. And even if you could do it, that wouldn't necessarily be a life well lived. Even if the Spirit is at work in your life in such a way that all the fruits of the Spirit are manifest, you're loving, you're joyful, you're peaceful, you're patient, you're kind, you're full of self-control, you're still probably going to have some enemies. And sometimes it's because the Spirit is at work in your life that you'll find that enemies come your way. A little while ago, I was out for a drink with a mate on a Friday night in central London, and uh, he, he's, he wasn't a Christian, doesn't go to church, and uh, it got to about nine o'clock, we're one pint in, and he suddenly looked at me and he said, uh, said Steve, I've never asked you about your faith. Can I ask you about your faith? Can I, can I ask you some questions about it? So I thought, yeah, okay. And technically, it's my day off, but yeah, that's fine. And... Um, <laughs> And I said, yeah, sure, what do you want to, what do you want to know? He said, well, you know, what, tell me why you place your trust in Jesus. Why is Jesus so important? So we talked about that a bit, and I said, well, this is why. And he said, why, why, do you, why do you think that Jesus rose from the dead? So we talked about that a bit, and he said, oh, why, 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 do, you, why do you want, what difference has Jesus made to your life? So we talked about that a bit. And then something kind of clicked for him, and he said, well, so it's not just something you believe in your head, but it's something that affects every aspect of your life. It affects every aspect of your uh, encounters with people. I said, yeah, that's right. I mean, it affects every aspect of your life. Your, you know, every person you meet, every relationship in your life, every day you spend at work, uh, it, it's that important. But it's great. And eventually, about midnight, he suddenly looked at me and he said, I'm in. I want to become a Christian now. So we kind of walked out through this bar, walked past the bouncers, and, uh, and stood out there on this road in central London, and he prayed this prayer. And it was amazing. And I saw him four days later, and I said, how's it going? How's it going? He said, it's, it's just like you said. It's, it's, it's awesome. He said, I, I, I found some worship music. I'm listening to that. Uh, I've, I've started reading my Bible. It's really interesting. I've started praying. It's just really, really exciting. I've split up with my girlfriend. And I said, 
I said, what? And he said, he said oh, uh, and I, I was thinking, did he have a girlfriend? Oh, he had a girlfriend. Yeah, I forgot about that. And he said, um, he said oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I just thought, you know, it's like you said, it affects every area of your life, every relationship. And I thought, if I'm really going to go in for this long term, then you know, I, don't, I don't really want to be distracted by all of that. So I'm just going to focus on my faith. And I said, how did she take it? He said, yeah, well, it was a little bit difficult. I said to her, but I said to her, he said, look, you know, Steve explained it all to me. Um, he, he told me how important Jesus is, told me Jesus arrived the dead, and Steve explained what difference that had made to his life, and Steve explained how great it was being a Christian, and Steve explained that it doesn't just affect your mind, it affects every aspect of your life and how it affects your relationships as well. And so I've taken what Steve said, and I've thought, basically, that means we should split up. <laughs> And I said, I, I, I said how, 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 how did she take it? And he said, well, do you know what? Actually, we left on quite good terms. She's really angry with you, though. <laughs> Steve? Apparently she said, Steve, let me meet this Steve who's saying all this stuff. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, how has how this happened? And do you know what? I wish he'd dealt with it differently. I mean, she's probably still angry with me now. This was years ago. Wish he'd dealt with it differently. But do I regret telling him who Jesus is and the difference he made to my life? No. Was it worth having an enemy to see the difference it's made in his life? Yes. You know, sometimes when you start making an impact with your life, enemies will come. People are only tackled when they're moving the ball down the field. And Jesus gets it. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like saying, when I read something that says, love your enemies, I feel like saying, well, Jesus, you know, that's okay for you. But, but you know, actually, my life is quite complicated now. Life is complex. Relationships are complex. My extended family is complex. My workplace is complex. My relationships with my colleagues are complex. Now, if you understood my sector, Jesus, if you understand the reality I live and work in, if you understood my school or my university, What's going on in that place? You'll never say something like this. I'm sure when we get to heaven, it'll all be fine. We'll daisy chains, we'll all skip around, great. But right now, here where I live, in my reality, loving your enemies, that's going to get me hurt. I'm going to be trampled on in the workplace. It's not going to work. And you wouldn't say that if you knew the people I have to deal with, knew what they say to me, knew how they act to me. They're difficult, Jesus. But you see, the thing is, Jesus isn't just interested in the smiley, shiny aspects of your life when things are going well. Jesus is interested in the mess too, and he knows exactly what it's like to face enemies. Jesus had to navigate complex political situations, competing pressure groups, people who saw him as a threat to their power and wanted to undermine his influence. All sorts of haters. He was accused of drinking too much. He was accused of eating too much. He was accused of being evil. They lied about him. They schemed. They plotted to undermine and isolate him. He was falsely accused of crimes he didn't commit. He was slapped in the face. He was spat at. He was beaten. He was betrayed by one of his closest friends. He gets it. He knows the reality of a life lived in the midst of your haters. And he knows the cost of loving your enemies. Jesus had plenty of haters. It's, it's helpful, actually, because sometimes we think to have a hater means you've done something wrong. But there are enemies who will actually only emerge when you do something right, when you start making a difference. Sometimes haters are the price you pay for making an impact. But it's a price worth paying. And you might have experienced that. Maybe you've become a Christian in the last few months. And the people in your your friendship, your family, you thought they'd be high-fiving you and cheering you on, but they've gone a bit cold. They don't like it. 
They don't like the change they've seen in you, maybe. Or you started a project at work and you thought people would be cheering you on. They'd be right behind you, but they're opposing you and trying to knock you off course. But just because you have some enemies in your life doesn't mean God's purposes can't be fulfilled. That You can't experience God's blessing. In fact, the Bible says that sometimes for you to be blessed, your haters have to be present. Because the Lord prepares a table for you in the midst of your enemies. And one of the key tests in life is not, am I ever going to have any enemies? It's, who are my enemies? And how am I going to treat them? Expect enemies. But then Jesus also says, fight hate. Fight hate. Jesus says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. And that's hard. I mean, how do you do that when your haters are trying to hurt you? So Jesus gives this worked example. It's like very simple and very profound. He says, when someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Turn the other cheek. And this is one of the key aspects of Jesus' teaching. You ask anyone today, this might be one of the things they know, one of the things they've heard about that Jesus teaches. And what Jesus is saying is not so much what to do when a violent assault comes against you, which puts you at risk in your life, of your life. That's not really what this is targeting. I'll never forget a guy actually coming up to me at church. And uh, he was very, very angry after a service, furious, and uh, was being very, very aggressive. And he started to come towards me and suddenly started to really invade my body space. And I thought... He's going to hit me. And uh, one of those things that makes Sundays a real joy, actually. And, um, and so I just, I just kind of, without even thinking about it, I kind of readied myself to get hit. You know, you, you all know what you do. You kind of, you know, put your back foot back a bit to give you a bit of spring. I felt my right hand start to twitch a little bit. Like, am I ready to respond? And then I suddenly thought, I'm a pastor. Like... <laughs> I'm in a church. Like, what am I doing? And so I kind of calmed, relaxed my body, and I kind of just stood there and thought, if I get hit, I get hit. This is just the way it's going to go. And, uh, and he's getting more and more angry. But then eventually, because I was so calm, he just kind of, he eventually kind of blew himself out, and he just turned around, and he just stormed off in a huff. Now, it so happens that a friend of mine uh, was at church that day, and he was watching all this unfold. And my friend is a really dangerous guy. He used to fight for a living for gangs. And, uh, and, and so he was watching all this unfold, like, what's going on here? And, I mean, it's, it's fair to say he's on a spiritual journey, and he hasn't yet arrived at his destination. Uh, so, so he came up to me, and he was like, Steve, what's all this about? And I said, what do you mean? Because I was actually feeling quite proud, like, I've been a good pastor, a good Christian today, you know. And he said, uh, said you're going to let someone dis- disrespect you like that? And I said, oh, uh, what do you mean? He said, you can't let someone disrespect you like that. You're a pastor now. They should be showing you some respect. And I said, oh, well, you know, and he said, next time someone comes up to you like that, wait until he comes a little bit closer and then just hook him on the jaw. <laughs> and he, you'll knock him out if you catch him right. And I was like, oh, um, thanks for the advice. Um, but <laughs> I mean, actually, looking back, he was right. I, <laughs> not that I should have hit him, but if you wanted to knock someone out, that is how you do it. You know, you kind of try and catch catch them right on the jaw, you know, knock them out, or solar plexus, that's probably where you'd aim your punch. I'm not recommending anyone does that, but that is probably, I mean, he knows his stuff. So, um, so but, I, but the thing is, you know, it looks weird to the world sometimes. When people insult you, not to come back at them like that. 
When people undermine you, not to try and undermine them. When people criticize you, not to criticize them back. It looks strange. And what's going on here? I mean, no one, no one who's trying to win a fight slaps someone in the face. That's not what you do. In this culture, to slap someone in the face, was you would present your face to be kissed. And if someone slapped you in the face, it's a mark of serious dishonor. A really significant insult. And when that happens, when someone insults you, when they undermine you, when they plot against you, when they're unkind to you, you have a choice how you respond. There's a number of different options. You can slap them back and retaliate. And actually at this time, that was the holy, considered the holy response, the proportional response. It was a real development from how things used to be. You respond in a proportionate way, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Teach them a lesson. Make sure they don't do it again. So you can respond with a slap and retaliate. Or you can respond with a punch, like my friend would have done. Um, And escalate. Not just retaliating. You're letting this person know if they ever mess with you, it's going to go really badly for them. You know, you've crossed me. I'm going to make you regret it. That's one option. Or you can turn your back and walk away and evacuate yourself from the situation. Almost like walk away from the person. Maybe cut yourself off from the person. And you can do that really overtly. You can text them and say, you're dead to me. (laughs) Don't ever call me, text me, email me again. I've blocked you on all forms of social media. Or you can do it subtly. You can just let your heart to the person grow cold and slowly wait for the relationship to die. But whichever of those you do, You retaliate, you escalate, or you evacuate. If that's your response, you're going to end up hating that person. The anger in your heart will fester and turn to hate. And that's actually one of the real challenges for our generation with its passion for justice, is how do you ensure that your anger at injustice doesn't consume your love? You know, if you're passion for justice consumes your love, all you're left with is hate. And you can't live like that. The hate you have to fight isn't just the hate that comes at you from other people, it's the hate which stirs up in you when their hate comes at you. So what do you do? Well, Jesus says, turn the cheek and elevate. They go low, you go high. You elevate the whole encounter. You're engaging in such a way to rise above the insult. And that takes huge courage because in one act, as you turn that cheek, you are calling them on their conduct. You're saying, this is wrong. You shouldn't have done that to me. But you're also offering the chance for the relationship to start again. Have another go. Try and get it right this time. I'm still here. I'm still engaging. I haven't turned my back on you. You're rebuking them, but you're also offering them restored relationship. But will it work? One of my uh, good friends got to know a pastor in Romania, and he was a pastor in Romania when uh, there was an atheist regime, and actually to confess uh, Jesus Christ and to be a Christian meant that you could get beaten, you could be imprisoned. And one day this pastor, um, Paul Negru, was visited the door of one of his friends, one of the people in his church, and, and as he opened the door, he realized his friend had been severely beaten. He had open wounds. He was still bleeding. He said, what's happened? 
And his friend said, oh, the, the secret police have just been here and they've beaten me. And they've just left. And, and the pastor was like, well, we must do something about this. This is outrageous. And he said, no, no, no. God hasn't brought you here so that we can complain. He's brought you here so that together we can pray for those who have just beaten me. And so they kneeled down together. And he prayed. And he said, Lord, I, I pray for those members of the secret police who were just here. I pray, Lord, that you would heal my heart so if they come again this week to beat me, I can minister your love to them. And it turned out, the pastor found out, that actually the secret police had been visiting him at least once a week for years. And every time they would beat him, steal his papers, take his books. And each time this guy would get up after the beating and walk up to the officer in charge and look at him and say, Sir, we will meet again at the final judgment. And I want you to know, if you're punished on that day, it's not because of any hate in my heart. It's because you chose to reject love. I love you. And then they'd leave. And you know, a few years later, after the beatings had stopped and things were changing, the, the, the officer came back and knocked on the door. And the guy kind of opened the door and then kind of flinched as if to prepare himself for a beating. And he said to him, the officer said to him, no, 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 I'm, I'm here to ask your forgiveness. The words you said to me have changed my heart. I actually have given my life to Jesus Christ. I actually only have a few days to live now. But I wanted you to know before I died the difference you've made in my life, the difference your love has made to me. And to let you know that on the final day, we will see each other again as friends, not as enemies. Does it make a difference? But you see, hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that. And we fight hate, but our weapon is love. You have to choose love. And that's the next thing that we learn from this passage. You fight hate by choosing love. And what does that look like? What's interesting, that same pastor came to visit my friend's church and he asked him, what's it like now? Now you've got religious freedom, everything's changed. And he said, it's harder now. What do you mean it's harder now? He said, well, in the difficult days, in the tough days, it was very clear, it was black and white. You knew who your enemy was, and you had a choice every day whether you would love them. Now it's, it's much more complex, it's much more gray, and I fear we compromise our faith by a thousand small decisions. And I find that. You know, I think about, you know, Jesus' command to love my enemies. I'm thinking, who are my enemies? not sure this person doesn't like me that much or they're my enemy that seems a bit severe actually it can be quite convenient to think that you have no enemies because I know I've got to love my friends and I know I've got to love my enemies it's quite nice to have a big group of people I'm slightly neutral about I'm not forced to love them it's hard I mean I I had this situation a while ago where there was this guy who who for some reason took against me he was aggressive towards me angry he would insult me he'd talk about me behind my back he was unpleasant to my face very rude to me and 
I just, it really started to bother me. I didn't know what the issue, I couldn't work out what to do. And I went to see someone who was older and wiser than me. And I said, look, I need some advice. And he said, why don't you try praying for him? I thought, that's a really bad idea. Like, I believe in the power of prayer. I don't want to pray for him. Maybe against him. <laughs> now, I find it hard enough to pray for people I really care about, let alone people who hate me. But that night, I went to bed, and I couldn't sleep. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to give it a go. So I, I prayed. I said, God, I, I just lift up, um, let's, let's call him Phil, because that's actually his name. Um, <laughs> let's, let's lift up Phil to you. Lord, I lift up Phil to you. And I asked that you would help him. And then to my surprise, the prayer kept coming. And I said, Lord, I, I know you must love him. Because uh, you sent Jesus to die for him, so I know you must love him. I don't know why you love him. It doesn't make sense to me. But would you show me why you love him, what you love about him? And do you know what happened? Uh, I, he actually did He answered that prayer. I started to see stuff in him that I hadn't realized before. I started to have a new compassion for him. It kind of gave me the strength to love him. The relationship didn't change overnight. But I suddenly realized I had the strength to love him. And what I find when I'm struggling to love someone, it's usually a sign I've lost sight of what God has done for me. Jesus says, be merciful as your father is merciful. And you know what? I have received that mercy. I have messed up more times than I care to remember. I have so many regrets about the way I've treated people, about the mistakes I've made. I have no right to be a friend of God. But because of Jesus, I know that's exactly what I am. And if he can reconcile me to himself, he's surely powerful enough to reconcile me to every single one of my enemies. I know the difference that this makes. And you see, Jesus doesn't talk about this stuff. He lived it. He healed the very person who came to arrest him on false charges. He prayed for them as they tortured him. He cried out for mercy for his killers as he died. And though I was far off, he loved me and he came and found me. And when you see that, when the Spirit rubs that into your heart, it empowers you to love even your haters. How did Jesus have the ability to do that? Well, one of the reasons was he knew that God was his vindicator. He knew that whatever happened, God was in control. And when you see that, it says here that you are a child, you're a much-loved son, a much-loved daughter of the Most High God. When you see that, It changes the way because then actually you have trust, you have confidence that God is able to take what your haters mean for harm and turn it for your good. He is able to turn their hate to your help. He is able to turn their curse to your blessing. He is even able to turn evil for his purposes and for your good. And then that frees you actually. It frees you to face your enemies with love and with confidence. You, know, you can hate me all you want, but you are not going to consume my love. 
Because I know who holds my destiny and there is nothing they can do. No scheme, no plot, no attack that can stop the Lord fulfilling his purposes in your life. And when you see that, it changes the dynamics of your friendship. It changes the dynamics of your workplace. It changes the dynamics of your family. It changes the dynamics right across this city. And we can say to our haters, to those who would oppose us, to our enemies. You can persecute us, we will pray for you. You can curse us, we will bless you. You can hate us, and we will love you even more. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm Bear Grylls. My favorite way to start the day, the Bible in one year. That's how wild I am. Find out more at BibleInOneYear.org or download the Bible in One Year app.